The ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country. All right, Chris Alicia, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Chris is an Air Force veteran, the founder of Ascended Warrior, and she is a survivor of breast cancer, abuse, and combat zones. Chris has found her life purpose in using her talents to help others heal. Ascended Warrior's mission is to honor, support, and empower warriors to build the life skills needed to integrate and thrive in the world. And they provide spiritual support to veterans, first responders, and their families through guidance, education, and advocacy. So um, let's dive right in. Thanks, Chris, for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me on, Stephanie. It's an honor. So let's go ahead and discuss your background in the military. And uh, you, you are open about the fact that you're a survivor of abuse and breast cancer. So let's just talk about you and your background and uh, where, we, where we led up to where you're at, you are right now. Yeah, that, that background always sounds so dramatic. When I, you know, even when I write it, it feels like I've had such a dramatic life and it, it doesn't always feel that way. But uh, yeah, so I, I was in the Air Force. I joined the Air Force after 9-11, I'm sure like a lot of people in our generation, that was a a very much a call to action for anybody that was warrior driven. Uh, So I joined the Air Force. I got to do all sorts of wonderful cyber stuff, Um, served overseas a couple times, ended up getting out, but staying as a civilian. Um, I wasn't great at taking orders. So the whole uniform thing didn't work super, super well for me, but I loved the mission. I loved the people. So I, I still continue to support the military wherever I can, um, training, doing cybersecurity, uh, pre-deployment stuff. So that's that's a community that's very, very near and dear to my heart, uh, which is why I created the Ascended Warrior Program to bring two really important elements um, in my world, which is the spirituality, the mindfulness, and that need to serve and combining those because uh, Spirituality saved my life a couple of times. So I'd like to be able to bring that to uh, the people that just mean so much to me. Yeah, and so let's talk about, um, you know, I, I don't, you don't have to, you know, share more than what I'm asking you to share. You know, it's, you have to be very cautious with these topics. It's like, tell me about your PTSD. You know, I love that. <laughs> Uh, so obviously you, you've had a, um, a, you're open about the fact that you've had a, a, a traumatic events in your life, um, when being uh, breast cancer. So, um, I, I'm sure this kind of, kind of came into play, or maybe you developed some of these skills, your, your gifts that you have now, um, and helping you get through those things. For sure. Um, PTSD, it's, it's funny. It's such a, it's such a specific term and it brings to mind all of this um, negative connotation. But in truth, a a lot of my hardest life lessons have been outside of the military. Um, Even when I was serving, you know, the abuse came from my my mother 
we had a very, very bad relationship. She was into drugs and alcohol um, and addicted. So she had, she has a disorder. So that was by far the hardest thing that I'd ever gone through trying to navigate that and figure out how, how to survive it, quite frankly. So when I went in the military and that real structured position that you're in there where you're your choices are gone, your identity, your self-identity really disappears. And you're so focused on whatever it is you're told to do. I found myself definitely stressed out um, and having a hard time dealing with who am I in this role? How can I be myself in this place that does not necessarily want me there? Um, I was a female in a male world. You know, there was one female in my uh, basic training class. There was a couple, like two females in the squadron that I was assigned to. So we were very, very limited. There was many times when I was very, very clear <laughs> that I was not wanted. Like it was just, it was very, very obvious. And I dealt with sexual harassment often. Um, no sexual assault. Luckily I was licked once, which was <laughs> as interesting as that one. <laughs> but, but that was, that was life, right? You, that's, if you wanted to be in that world, that was how you had to achieve, you know, suck it up, keep moving forward, keep it to yourself. Um, and I got breast cancer while I was a civilian working with the military. So I had to navigate all that while still in a man's world, while still trying to prove myself and excel in a career where I had to prove myself every single day and earn that respect one person at a time. And then I lost all of it in 2015 when I did complain about sexual harassment. Um, I went to a boss and they joined against me, the good old boy system, they got me good. Uh, so I, I very much martyred myself at the end of my career because it was just too much. And it wasn't just me, which was very much why I fought back. Uh, it wasn't just me who was suffering from this one individual. It was a couple other people. So all of that seems to happen and layer on top of itself to a point where life just sucks. I just horribly, horribly, I had lost a career I'd been working on for 15 years. All of my friends were wrapped up in that world. I could not explain it to my family. I mean, how do you explain that stuff to your family? It was just, it was absolutely overwhelming. And there was a couple times that I, I thought, not necessarily of killing myself, but I would have welcomed death many times, just because it was, it was just so much. And I had no idea where to go. I didn't even know who I was outside of service because it was my entire identity. So it really forced me to take a step back and slow down and say, okay, who am I when I strip away all that stuff? When I'm not a soldier anymore, when I'm not, uh, enlisted when I'm just, when I take away all of those labels that I give myself, who am I? And that's what really turned me to spirituality. Um, when I think of spirituality, it's that connection to self, that self-identity, what makes me passionate for life. It was never about God or religion. It was just always about self-expression. So I started studying all of these different things, um, dream work, uh, life purpose work, the Akashic Records, alchemy, just anything I can get my hands on. Um, I'm a very left-brained type of person. I like information to figure out what it was that was making me feel so disconnected. 
Like I didn't want to wake up in the morning. Something's clearly wrong. And what I found underneath all of it was who I was meant to be wasn't being expressed. You know, who I was born to be. I wasn't honoring that. I was fitting myself into this mold of a soldier, an airman, yeah. a, a female in a male's world that has such a very specific right and left limits. You know, I had to keep everything tight. There's no emotions. It's I kept suppressing all of who and what I was and it was killing me. So when that was stripped away, I like it overnight, it was just a huge wake up call that I needed to fix that or I was going to kill myself. Like I had gone so far down this, this road of pretending and hiding and trying to fit into this world to be successful that I'd completely subjugated myself. And it took a long time to really rip open all those old wounds look at them, heal from them, um, honor whatever emotions were coming up and get to a place where I was truly okay. I was more than okay with what had happened. I am happy that all of that happened because it made me who I am. And I stopped looking at the people that were involved in that as, you know, people that had hurt me. They, they were just, all of that is opportunities for me to excel as a person. And that's, that process took me 10 years to get through all that to where I am now, where I am happy. And life still punches me in the, I was going to say punches me in the tits every once in a while. That's not appropriate. It punches me in the <laughs> <laughs> Why is that not appropriate? It that way though. <laughs> so life still, still knocks me down every once in a while, but the spirituality and that sense of self that I've gained allows me to get up so much faster and it allows me to forgive both myself and whoever else is involved so much faster. And I want to be able to bring that to others to help them find out who they are, not what they've been told to be, to really look at all those events in their lives, to see how amazing that experience was to create that warrior that they are today. Yeah. I would change a single moment of my life uh, because it got me here. And I really, I really like who I've become. So, and yeah. spirituality got me there. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much of what you just said. I, I mean, we could talk for <laughs> six hours. I'm just like that. I mean, everything that. First of all, let me just thank you for speaking up and speaking out and taking that risk and taking those punches. Because I, I was just interviewing a, a women's veterans advocate a couple of days ago, and this was a big part of what we talked about was, um, you know, the bravery involved of that very act and speaking up, speaking out and taking those punches, because most of the time that is what happens as we get knocked down uh, for speaking out. But, you know, because of the fact that you have done that you know, somebody moving forward will have maybe have the courage to speak up and speak out, or maybe somebody moving forward in the path of that predator mm. would be prevented from being harmed by those people. So thank you for having the, the balls <laughs> to do that um, <laughs> because it helps everyone, you know, move forward. Um, and then you know, there was something that you said that kind of 
piqued my interest. I mean, everything you said is interesting, but if there was that just kind of that like, ooh, I need to, we need to go further into that, that, um, you know, for women, especially, you know, we, we are put in this box, you know, from a very young age, like, here's your box. These are the walls. This is how you need to operate. And then, you know, and, and then when we get into our military careers, it's the same thing. And we are constantly being, you know, it's like those Russian dolls. We just keep kind of getting stacked up with these boxes. And it's just our little, like, this is what we were supposed to be and we were born to be and I just want to show you it says born to be brave oh very nice on it so I've learned this life lesson in the last year and I'm writing a book about it um it that is you described it perfectly that's the struggle even if you haven't experienced trauma which almost no one hasn't but (laughs) let's just say you're one of the lucky ones um we have been, we're, we've been stacked up our entire life with this burden of all these boxes and expectations, and we get smaller and smaller and smaller, and we're carrying this weight and this burden. And then when something happens, like what happened with you, you leave the military service, you some circumstance happens, you get breast cancer, your life changes dramatically, and you realize, I'm fucking unhappy. I hate my life. I hate who I am. What? How you just, it's like, you just are looking back and go, how did I get here? And that's the journey that you had to take personally was to start, you know, freeing yourself from all these boxes and working through all that. And like you said, opening up, re, you have to reopen those wounds to have them heal correctly. You know, that's what happens when we go to the doctor. If we have a wound, a scar that just healed up shitty, you got to reopen it. You got to clean it out, go through the process of healing it again. So I love how you described that. Um, you call yourself a warrior of light, an empath, and a channel for the divine masters. So can you talk more about that? Uh, there was a, when I first studied the spiritual world, there was a term that I ran into a lot and it was called light worker. Um, it's a person who holds their own energy at a level that is uh, loving in a, in a way that it, it almost beams light out. So they're called uh, light workers. They carry a higher level of energy, um, love for all. I love the ideal of that, but it didn't fit. Like I'm a little too aggressive for that. <laughs> I would go to these wonderful spiritual meetings and I'm looking around like, okay, they're all really nice people. I totally get it. Um, I've got like a gun in my purse and they're like, they're just quite fit. And then I had, I was meditating and this term came to me when I was meditating, I was asking um, in the meditation, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And I heard warrior of light and the difference for me was someone who's willing to stand up against darkness, someone who's willing to stand up for what they believe is right and to stand up for others who can't necessarily stand up for themselves. So that really resonated with me, that ideal of a warrior, someone who's gonna do the right thing regardless of how painful it is, regardless of how much opposition they face. Um, And honestly, because of that, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the fun of being a warrior is constantly challenging yourself and seeing what you can do. 
So instead of carrying light and love and all that other stuff, I'm willing to fight for it. So that was where that term came from. And I very much liked that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love, I identify with that so <laughs> much. Like you and I are like two peas in a pod. Like when I first started going to yoga and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, this is not for me. What, what is this? Like om and light and love and namaste and kumbaya. I'm like, makes me want to puke. Yes, it has such a wonderful place, but it just, it just didn't fit me. Yeah. But then you like, as you, you know, kind of get into it and start feeling kind of the benefits of having a spiritual practice, you kind of are able to morph it into and understand like, no, it's not all about like, you know, puppies and kisses and, you know, rainbows. It, I love how you describe that, the warrior of light. It's like, you're holding this sword. Oh, absolutely. Light, and you're like, I'm going to slay you with my goodness. <laughs> Die. You know, it's like so You've good. You've been in the dreams because that's absolutely how my dreams go. <laughs> I'm constantly kicking ass in my dreams with us. Yes. Well, I have a t-shirt that I wear all the time. And when I saw it, I was like, that's like one of my mantras. It's like, do no harm, but take no shit. Absolutely. You know? It's like, you don't have to be a doormat to be a spiritual, you know, loving, living light person, you can still, you know, have boundaries and defend yourself and speak up, you know, and, and not get trampled on by, you know, the, the evil in this world. Right. Absolutely. That was something I honestly struggled with when I was trying to figure out my spiritual, my own spirituality, because it's very individual. Everybody's got their own version I kept hearing that I needed to, you know, that live and let live mentality. That if somebody wronged me, turn the other cheek. Uh, like that's just, no, I'm not okay turning the other cheek. If I see someone doing something wrong, I'm not going to feel bad for both parties. I'm gonna do something about it. And it took me a long time to figure out how I could really reconcile <clears throat> that militant side of myself, which is still there and the spiritual side. And this helped them fit together uh, actually quite beautifully. It's, it's kind of like that uh, Archangel Michael kind of energy, right? It, there are battles between light and darkness and some of us are going to fight. And some people are there to turn the other cheek. That's just, that's just not me. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny that you say that I have, I have the Archangel Michael tattooed on my right calf. <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean I'm not like Catholic or anything but it was just you know a, a time in my life where that kind of was was in my mind and I had to tattoo it on my body of course so yeah <laughs> I, I get it like that is exactly the picture of you know what and I love how you have that approach because um <clears throat> I, I've been practicing yoga for 15 years now and I've done classes with soldiers with veterans and you know there is that resistance like I had you know when I first started and it's like ah oh, this is wussy this, I mean, it's like oh, I'm not a pansy you know and it's I love that I'm a you know I'm going to come steal that from you and take that vision it's like no it's like a it's like you're the archangel like you're this this light the bringer of of light and you're slaying the darkness and you can do this in your life you can use spirituality in order to do this in your life, kind of slay the darkness that's 
overtaking you in these areas and you can get rid of that and use these these spiritual tools to do that. Um, so what you do in your practice, you know, to, to help others find their spiritual tools, you know, to use and kind of, can you give me some examples of what you do with your clients, some of those tools that you teach and those techniques that you teach? Yeah. So I've got several different programs that I teach. Some are much more spiritually based than others. The one that I've created specifically for veterans and first responders and other people who have dealt with a lot of trauma is the path of the spiritual warrior. <clears throat> and this program takes that wonderful military backbone, which is break them down to build them up. But in this case, you start by ripping off all those labels that we talked about. That's the breaking down portion, taking away all of those labels that have attached to you stripping all those away to find out who you were that like inside of the little Russian doll. Who is that? Mm -hmm. What are your gifts that you came into this life with? You know, what are your natural skills? When do you feel the most passionate, the most connected to life? Um, creating uh, your core values, listing those out just like you would with the military organization. What are your core values? What is your mission statement? Then taking that that would be the whole first month is really ripping that away to find out who you are. Taking that ideal of who you, you truly are and now dealing with the trauma. So the second month is all about dealing with the trauma using um, these wonderful alchemy tools. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with alchemy. There's seven stages in alchemy and they're actually really practical stages. If you look at just the bare bones of them, the first step is dealing with the ego silencing that little voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. And the second step is detaching emotion from memory, stopping emotion from controlling you. So the whole second month of the program is dealing with those emotional scar tissues that we have. Is if you think about a trauma in your life and you really settle into it and try to remember what it was, you will feel it. It's like it's happening to you right now. Mm -hmm. We don't need to do that. It's one of the reasons that depression grabs such a hold of us because when we think of an event, we feel it. There's ways to detach that, to detach an emotion from an event that's already happened. So you don't need to continuously suffer from it. It helps you in the future too, so that you can more quickly detach your emotion from an event. Even in the moment, you can say, hey, wait a second. I'm feeling really pissed off right now. I choose not to be pissed off and detach mm -hmm. that emotion. So the whole second month is dealing with the trauma and getting control over the anger, the fear, the sadness, the guilt that we carry around after events. And the third month is the rebuild. So this is where we start to embrace who and what we are, this new method of dealing with emotions, um, really retraining the brain and the body to handle situations differently, to handle stress differently. Uh, using dream work, which I love. I love analyzing dreams because there's just so much information that happens in your dreams if you really pull them apart. Um, using alchemy, using um, yoga, uh, some, some of the more spiritual techniques. And then the last month is all the empowerment. So this is, what is it? What is your next step? Is it education? Is it 
career? Is it family? And using that structure of the brothers and sisters in arms, you know, we support each other and we hold each other accountable as we build the life that we found we wanted, that ideal life. And we support each other. After that entire program, um, I'm working with a colleague of mine who's got a nonprofit that does this wonderful retreat stuff out in Nevada or something. Just instead of the spiritual retreats where you just go in Ulm and do all that other wonderful stuff, this is shooting, uh, this is some driving off road, you know, camping, doing all that other wonderful stuff while still getting the spiritual elements in there. So it's embracing who we are and our unique spiritual paths and really finding out how we make an impact in this world outside of the military, outside of service in our daily lives. Because so many of us are drawn to service for a reason. We are protectors. We feel the call to do something great for the world. We wanna save the world in one way, shape or form. And when we leave service, we feel like we'll never get that opportunity. Um, that's just not true. You just got to find out how you can make an impact on your level, your true level. And that's what the whole program is about. Yeah. And let's, and I, I want to like add this caveat to our listeners. So the things that we're talking about may be labeled woo, right? <laughs> oh, this is just woo, that woo stuff that people do. Now, this is based in science. This is psychology, you know, this is, even though this, yes, it's spirituality as well, it's psychology. The things that, that Chris was just describing of detaching the emotion from the traumatic event, that is found in psychology called a timeline therapy, that is found in psychology as a, a neurolinguistic approach, that is found in psychology as a guided imagery, guided meditation, guided um, you know anxiety reduction techniques so these are all founded in with with decades and decades and de decades of practice and research in the psychology world you know so this isn't woo these are actual you know psychological physiological techniques that we can use to kind of hack our physiology that doesn't work for us sometimes that gets stuck in that fight or flight loop um, because traumatic events change our brains. Our physiology, it changes our bodies and our brains. So we have to intervene and use these techniques to cut that feedback loop because you're only going to continue to spiral and spiral and spiral. And it is threatening, right? It is threatening to go through those stages, especially when you have, you know, we don't, the, the whole rule of psychology is we don't do something without a reason, mm -hmm. right? There is a reason why, even if you are experiencing negative consequences in your life from it, you were getting something out of that, that is helping you survive, mm -hmm. right? So you know, you may be frustrated with it. You may not understand why you keep shooting yourself in the foot over and over and over again and doing these behaviors like screaming at your wife or, you know, uh, doing risky things like driving drunk or whatever it may be. Um, 
there's a there's something you're getting out of it that is helping you survive. So you have to go back and find out what that survival mechanism is. Why do you need to have those those you know, maladaptive coping skills that you develop to deal with that trauma, to deal with that emotion? So you do have to rip it open. And I'm sure you have experienced, there's a lot of resistance. Why can't I just not feel this anymore? Is there a way, Chris, to (laughs) just not feel anymore and move on with my life and be happy and be well uh, without having to revisit some of that trauma and those, those past experiences? Denial is a very, very powerful thing. Uh, yeah. But it has a time, it has a timeliness. It will eventually fail you. Um, the same thing with all those negative coping me- uh, measures that you mentioned. And you're 100% right. This is, this is all based in the way the brain works, the way the body works, and the way emotion changes the physical makeup of our body. That fight or flight. When we feel angry, when we feel fear, when we feel uh, depression, it shuts down, literally shuts down the symptom, the, the parts of your body to get all the power into the heart because it's going into survival mode. So your body is not working as well. Your brain is not working as well. You're feeling more lethargic. If you stay in that place for a long period of time, that it is detrimental to every aspect of your life. So if you can stop that, as simple as it sounds, by just being aware that it's happening. That's the very first step of mindfulness training is being aware that something's happening. You're aware that your body has gone into fight or flight. That one moment, you've acknowledged it. Even acknowledging it is going to slow down your heart rate. It's going to allow your body just to unclench just a little bit because you're just saying, hey, I'm tracking that this is happening. Now, you have a moment to look around and say, all right, am I being chased by a dinosaur? No, track, okay. So maybe this is not a life or death situation. Maybe I can take that off. I'm looking around, okay. And it's life, limb, or eyesight, anything in danger. So all you're doing is being aware that it's happening and logical, is there anything that's physically threatening me? And you're bringing your heart rate down. You're allowing the blood to flow back back out from the heart and back into the extremities and back up to the brain. And just that small act of learning to pay attention will change the way you handle anger. Mm -hmm. And it sounds super simple and it does absolutely take practice. And you will forget because we're human and life, again, punches you in the tits. But when you get to that to that place where it becomes second nature, just to acknowledge I'm angry, I don't want to be, I don't need to be, there's nothing happening to me right now. That in itself will help change your life. So meditation and mindfulness are a huge part of this. Uh, You can reprogram the way you deal with things. And it's as simple as being aware that they're happening and that you're not happy with the way that they're happening. Yeah. The awareness, and I, I love that you, you brought that up. I mean, that's that's step one, right? I mean, if you're not aware, you can't fix, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't know what the problem is, you can't fix it. And I, I love that you, you emphasize that because in this day and age, it is 
so easy to go throughout. I mean, someone could literally go throughout their entire life and never be aware of themselves Absolutely. and what's going on inside of them. And to be in that level of denial, because it are the world that we live in and the distractions that are available to us constantly on a second by second millisecond basis is so easy for us to just live a life completely detached. Mm -hmm. And part of this, I guess, is what you do is you are having to kind of retrain people who've maybe lived for so long in that state. I mean, it's almost like you're just learning to walk again. Like you never, like you haven't been aware for so long, you forgot what it actually is. And to kind of retrain your mind and, and practice and practice and practice and practice to start attaching again. And again, it's almost like it, that's threatening in itself because there was a reason why I detached and I've been detached for so long. So it's kind of like going back to that stove that, that I burnt myself on. It's like, but it's going to burn me again. You know? <laughs> so, you know, talk about that part of, of, you know, learning how to reattach, but also, you know, being mindful of, you know, you're going to experience some, some things that are going to be uncomfortable and, and some things you've been avoiding for a very long time. It really is amazing what comes up when you start really paying attention. Uh, things that we think we've dealt with, because we probably dealt with them intellectually, are going to come up emotionally. So when you start picking apart some aspects of your life, others will crop up that are related mm -hmm. to it. And you'll find out that the issue, whatever's making you feel angry when you're talking to your spouse, is really seated 20 years ago in something that now is triggering you in this anger. So it can feel really overwhelming. And it's a part that a lot of people get hung up on because they don't want to go to that place. For me, it was, it's like a purging. The first, the first uh, time I went to a spiritual retreat, my really first introduction into this was an entire weekend um, of guided meditations. And I cried for the entire weekend. She just kept <laughs> ripping open these scars that I was like, oh, super tough. You know, I've dealt with all the um, abuse issues and everything else, I'm good. I, I was in denial. I had pushed it down because I didn't want to deal with it. When I finally dealt with it, it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder. It wasn't the only time I had to go through that situation because everything is layered. But just acknowledging that it still hurt me, it, it just, I felt lighter. I felt like the world was just a little bit brighter. And there's this wonderful science that I'm um, tracking now. It's um, heart math science which has shown that the, although we've been taught that the brain is what controls the body, it's in fact the heart. The heart has more um, neurons that are firing than the brain does, um, like triple the amount or something like that. So when you change the focus from what you're thinking to what you're feeling, you're actually utilizing more of your body. You're utilizing more of your natural power inside the body. So when you stop thinking about how an event is bothering you and start feeling into the event. You're actually using more of your potential. You're actually using more of the systems of your body to handle a situation. So when you start the retraining part of this, so instead of going from point A to point B, which you've done your entire life, every time somebody steps on my shoe, I'm going to punch them in the face. 
That's my A to B. I know this pathway. We're really clear on it. You step on my shoe, you know what's going to happen. Instead, I'm going to introduce a new pathway in there. I'm going to introduce pathway number C. So as soon as somebody steps on my shoe, I'm going to shut down the brain part and go into, I'm going to start thinking of it a different way or feeling about it a different way. I'm aware, hey, I don't want to punch this guy in the face. We've decided path A to B sucks. <laughs> I'm tired of getting in trouble for punching people. I'm aware he stepped on my shoe. All right, let me take a step back. I'm not feeling emotional about it. I'm not in physical danger. How do I feel? Do I feel okay? All right, let's go to path C, whatever that is. Um, maybe you just tell them off, you know, where it's baby steps. <laughs> maybe we get to a place where it doesn't bother you anymore. But you can absolutely retrain yourself so that you're not constantly up in here and you start feeling and thinking with your heart, which is such a cool science. I'm really excited that um, they're, they're doing this research now. Um, there's this test that they do especially with negative thoughts and negative words. We're so free with the things that we say, even to ourselves. I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm old, I've got wrinkles, all this other wonderful stuff. When you say that, you're actually weakening the muscles of your body. <clears throat> it's just the way it works. There's something called energy testing. And what you can do with yourself for energy testing is you make a loop with each of your fingers. And if you say something negative, I hate myself, you pull it right through. It's very weak just how the muscles work. Negative thoughts actually change the muscle strength. Now, if I say I love myself, it's just a little stronger. When you show somebody how negative thoughts and words affect their body, affect the way their body works, again, you're just making them aware that there is a different way to do this. You become more conscious of every aspect of your life. You're retraining yourself instead of going through life blindly, you're now taking control of it. So instead of screaming at your wife or screaming at yourself and calling yourself those names, you're aware of what that's doing. And the muscle testing thing is fascinating. That comes from Chinese medicine um, and they do it for just about everything, even down to what you eat. You look at food and you, what you're looking at it, if you pull through your fingers, you're like, well, that's probably not healthy for me. It's, there's a, an electromagnetic field around the body. That's just yeah. And when you say negative things or eat things that are bad for you, it weakens your electromagnetic field. That's where the muscle testing comes in. So you introduce all of these different genres of science, of spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, and you show it from a very practical side, that left brain side. I like to see proof just like everybody else does. And it changes the way you look and feel about everything. Yeah. Taking yeah. control of your life again. And that's has who you are meant to be, not who the world told you to be. And that's just such a huge part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I love that you brought it muscle testing. I interviewed a few weeks back. And my One of my best friends is actually a, a certified muscle tester. She's a chiropractor, functional medicine, kinesiology. So I do muscle testing myself. I, I go through it with her. Um, I see her as a practitioner. So it's, it's like magic. It's like, it, it's so you, when you, when you see it happening, when you experience it yourself, you're like, what the heck? Like, this is magical. It's crazy how the body just knows. 
what's going on. Even if you mentally are not even thinking about it and intellectually not thinking about it, you're not aware, your body knows what's happening. So, you know, we have to try and kind of connect those things and sync up those things, your brain and your heart and your body and have them all kind of working together in awareness and, and you know, doing what you need to be doing to get healthier in every aspect. Um, so, and I was laughing when you were talking because I, that's like exactly, and I've had it said to me as a therapist and I say, I've said it to my own therapist. <laughs> so I'm like, when am I going to get over it already? <laughs> like, why does this keep coming up? I thought I healed that back in, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, like you described it as layers, you know, even if you've, you've gone through, you know, seeing somebody like Chris and worked through some of these things and gone through these seven steps and these processes, it's still a, just a layer or a few layers that you've gone through. It's, it's a process. It's a journey. It's not a, you know, get it done and check the box and then poof, you're good for the rest of your life. Unfortunately, awesome. I know that would be so great, <laughs> but it's not, it sucks. That's the worst, <laughs> but you know, but it's a process and you have to keep working at it. Um, and it's just like what I do, you know, with, with nutrition and fitness and, and wellness with my clients, it's like, well, sure. You know, you've, you may have lost X amount of pounds, got no certain amount of body fat, you're eating you know, X, Y, and Z, but there's always a next step you can take. The journey is never done. You never cross the finish line with health, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. You are, you, you can take it as far as you want to take it. The journey is endless. You know, the, the reward is endless. Even if you think things are good now, they actually can get better, which is <laughs> insane. I didn't know that until I started working. But again, like you said, it's a, it's, it, it takes a long time. It takes consistency. It's not just something that you just check the box and do and you're done, or maybe you do it every five years. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an everyday, you know, I'm a big hiker. So, you know, I, that's how I describe it. You know, if I'm trying to get to the top of this mountain, if all I focus on is, how freaking hard it is to get up there. I'm turning around and I'm getting in my car and I'm driving away. Or I'm gonna go a little while and I'm gonna be like, man, F this, that's not worth it. <laughs> you know? But if I'm just looking down and I'm taking this step, I look up and look around, hey, there's a nice view from here. Now let me take the next step. All right, that was a little harder. Wow, it's kind of nice here too. And just focus on that. Like now, work through now, take the next step, make a little bit more progress, pull back some of the layers. And it, you, you'll be surprised at how much better it can get. Even when you're like, wow, I kind of feel good. You do that retreat, you feel good. You kind of feel like you left a weight off. That's not the end of the process. Not even right? a little bit, right? Yeah. So um, you have a ton of, of certifications. You're an expert in, in a, a ton of things. You've already talked a little bit about alchemy um, 
a little bit about dream interpretation. Um, you also do, um, now I'm going to butcher this, Akash, Akashic Records? Akashic Records. Okay. Yeah. What, what the heck is that? So there's, this is one of, this is definitely woo-woo. All right. So I caveat <laughs> that right up front. But there is a space that you can get into uh, when you meditate where information just seems to come to you. Now, if you're a spiritual person, the Akashic Records is like a database of all information, all the world's information, started at the beginning of time. So when you get into this very specific meditative state, you can look at your life from that 10,000 foot level and see information and details that just come to you naturally, things that you are not necessarily conscious of. Um, that's also what channeling is. It's allowing information to come to you that you are not intellectually the owner of. Um, whether you believe in angels or God or any of that stuff, or even just nature, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't particularly matter where you feel the information comes from. It's an information that is at a higher level than just this wonderful little human. So when you get into a meditative state uh, and go into the records, it allows information of a much higher quality to come to you. That's much more clear and much more loving and much more helpful, quite frankly, than if I were to sit here and allow my ego and my brain to just analyze information. So the Akashic records, where they talk about it is that it was started at the beginning of earth and it's just a database of information. And each person has their book that's the tracking of all their lives. Um, I'm a big, big fan of reincarnation because uh, quite frankly, it just makes sense to me that we come here over and over to learn lessons, to grow as souls. Um, otherwise one life would just kind of, that would kind of suck. We're like, why is her life so good? <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons I believe in lots and lots of lives. So if it's a collection of all information, it allows you to really step back and say, okay, what are the patterns in my life? Like you talked about, we have to continuously look at the pain because it is layered. And often there's a pattern, an overall pattern of your life. For me, it's, it's been issues with females, which is kind of wonky, but I had an abusive relationship with my mother. I've had some trouble with aunts. I've had trouble with coworkers. That pattern of having um, butting heads against females is one that I've had throughout my life. So I can go into a meditative state and ask the universe or nature or just an intellectual self that I'm not aware of, why is that pattern present? What is it that I'm supposed to be learning that I'm not learning? How do I get past this so I don't constantly get triggered by females? How do I get past it so I'm not constantly triggered by alcohol and all these other things? And if you get to that meditative state, the answers are just more poignant. They're more clear. They don't have the taint of ego and fear. And is this real? Does it? It's a place of clarity and quality. Yeah. That is wonderful. Yeah, and that's, I mean, in, in the psychology realm, that, that's very Jungian, um, you know, the... I love, yeah, I love Carl Jung, he's the... Yes, that's, I mean, that's what Jung talked about, um, 
and you know we have these kind of archetypes and um, imprints you know that that aren't explained by a person's experience you know why are we afraid of snakes if you've never seen a snake snake or been exposed to snakes why do we have that physiological re reaction to snakes it's because of the imprint you know put in there by our, our genetics and our ancestors and our, our you know, our planet, our species, basically, it's that imprint. So, you know, there's those psychological imprints that we have that are available to us, the information available to us. And I don't know if you've, um, uh, the lady who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, uh, was it Gilbert, I think it is? You know, I don't think I ever read that. Um, I've, I've actually mm -hmm. wanted to, I might even own it, but I don't think I've ever read it. She she wrote a, another book called Big Magic or, um, and about tapping into that, what exactly what you're talking about creatively. Um, and I, I'm a big believer of that because I've experienced it myself. It's like there's this concept of you can tap into this endless amount of knowledge and 10,000 foot um, view on what's happening with you and get so much information that you would have never gotten if you would have just sat down and tried to figure it out. Like, well, how do I intellectualize this to death? And you never can come up with a solution that works. But if you're able to kind of tap into that imprinting or your spiritual realm or, or whatever you want to call it, um, there's so much more information available to you and uh, that you could tap into rather than your small little experience in life you know i'd rather you know google it <laughs> let's just call it the spiritual google That's right the, <laughs> the spiritual google realm and get the information i need rather than you know tapping on my own limited brain capacity and going okay well the answer's not there so what am i going to do now right i think people people tap into it so much more often than they realize. I mean, think of artists, where do they come up with their inspiration? That gut feeling that soldiers get on whether they go right or left, or that mm -hmm. feeling of being watched, um, that just sense of knowing. We tap into it all the time unconsciously. And some of us really develop that as a sense of intuition, gut feeling, artistic, creative power. Even when you're writing, like, a, and it sounds stupid, but a birthday card, you're writing out a little note on somebody's birthday card and you just say something so powerful, you know it's gonna just really touch them. That's coming from a place beyond here. Now, wherever it comes from, honestly, I'm, I'm not super worried about it as long as it's, uh, as long as it helps me feel better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure like any, any listeners, like if you've ever experienced, you know, maybe like you, you kind of have somebody on your mind and you pick up the phone and call them and they're, and they're like, man, I literally was just dialing your number. Like things like that happen all the time. And the only way to explain it is that there's some sort of spiritual realm that you're both tapping into and that there's a, a connection that needs to happen or some, you know, information that needs to get to a place. So, you know, you can be a part of that, that, um, that circuitry, you know, so to speak, to, yeah. to get that information moved or that, that well wishes or, or a need met in some way out there in the universe. So I love that. And so um, lastly, let's talk about, you, you mentioned it in kind of small little areas in, in our conversation so far. I was obsessed with dream interpretation 
when I was a teenager, I bought all the books. I did all the things. I was obsessed with Sigmund Freud. That's mm. probably one of the main reasons why I went into psychology <laughs> as a career. So, um, and again, I mean, I think a lot of people think this is kind of woo and it's like, okay, or, you know, that it doesn't really mean much and it's just random, but can you talk a little bit about how dream interpretation can be helpful for somebody's journey and spiritual healing? Sure. So 100%, I would argue with anybody, this has nothing to do with woo. Because this has been proven throughout time to have vital information for people's lives. Albert Einstein dreamed of the theory of relativity. Mm -hmm. uh, who was the Patton, General Patton in World War II, dreamt of the Battle of the Bulge. And he positioned his troops based on his dreams as he saw the Germans um, fleeing from Russia and he knew that they were going to be weak. I mean, this, this is something that has been shown throughout history. Artists, military folks, when you listen to your dreams, it has very clear, specific information for your life. Now, I love um, Carl Jung's studied dreams quite a bit. Viktor Frankl has studied dreams quite a bit. Uh, Viktor Frankl, if you're not familiar with him, uh, I'm sure you are. I love him. I love his story. So he was a Holocaust victim put into Auschwitz. I believe he was in Auschwitz. And his dreams were one of the things that kept him sane. You know, he focused on his dreams instead of focusing on hating the Germans and dealing with that. His dreams were telling him, hey, hang in there. You have information that's going to be important. Just stay sane, stay loving, stay up at a higher level. And when he got out, he wrote about his practices and there's no anger. There's no hatred. He looked at it from a different way because of his dreams. Fascinating, fascinating dude. Um, Freud definitely liked the whole penis metaphor. <laughs> he has this, I have my complication. I have a complicated relationship with Freud. But what I've learned is we spend half of our lives sleeping. And there is so much that happens in our dreams. And it seems kind of chaotic. So that's, I think that's one of the reasons we don't really pay attention. It seems unclear. So when you start looking at dream interpretation, not from what does this symbol mean? What does it mean when I dream of dolphins? But from like an overarching thing, you start to realize your dreams are a, another language. They're speaking to you in symbols, things that mean have meaning to you and only to you. So I studied this at um, Atlantic University, which is out in Virginia Beach. And they get really into the nuance of how do you find your own dream language? And every single person dreams, whether you remember them or not, there's training involved that can get you to a place where you remember. But when you start paying attention, you'll see that you dream about the problems that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. <clears throat> you'll have very specific dreams on how to deal with coworkers. And your dream is playing out options for you and saying, all right, if you do this, then this will happen. And if you pay attention and you write these down, you'll start to see that. It even has bigger information. What are you supposed to be doing with your life? Um, what makes you really passionate? What makes you really sad and depressed? Um, it's a way of dealing with all of the stuff that you're not focused on during the day because you're so up in here. You know, you've got your nine to five, you've got your kids, you've got your wife. When you sleep, it's like the universe is saying, all right, get them. <laughs> and they just start throwing all this wonderful information at you to try to help you. It's 
a part of our, not even brain, it's a part of our intellect that we don't tap into enough. And it's ours, it's only ours. So when you start paying attention, it is limitless the amount of information you can find. And the examples of famous people who have used their dreams to become famous um, really makes me a believer. So when I started doing my own dream interpretation, I saw and learned a language that was just fascinating. Um, like seeing guns in my dream and a very specific thing to me, um, being late. I'm constantly late in my dreams. And that's that stress of uh, needing to earn respect and that fear of losing reputation in the military and whatnot. When those pop up now, I'm aware of what they mean. I'm able to look at it and say, all right, what's, how is that stress related to my life? How, I don't want to be stressed. So how do I deal with that? It's an awesome, awesome tool that uncovers a whole layer of yourself that most of us just don't pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so fascinating. Like all these things that you have such an interesting job. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's endlessly fascinating and that's why I don't mind um, you know, going through therapy and doing muscle testing and doing meditation because it really is endlessly entertaining. I mean, it's yeah. just like, wow, this is just so neat how this is connected with that and how this keeps coming up. And I keep having a dream about this. It's just, it's a lot of really neat kind of interesting things um, that you become aware of that are going on kind of in the background that you would have never noticed before had you not opened that door of awareness, you know, yeah. which is the first step, of course. So um, let's talk about um, what you do with Ascended Warrior and what kind of services you offer and how people can um, get in touch with you. Uh, so Ascended Warrior is all about linking that spiritual and warrior mindsets together. It's showing people that are militant, that are strong, that are aggressive, and I hate being called aggressive, but I'm called it all the time, <laughs> that there is a spiritual path for you where you can get in touch with who you are, with what you are, and what makes you passionate. It helps you reconnect the emotional and spiritual side to an already physical and mental strength. You know, we rely on those two strengths so heavily that we're really missing parts of ourselves. So all these programs are to get you in touch with your whole self, to help you use all of your strengths and all of your gifts to be passionate, to be excited to wake up, to have fulfilling relationships, uh, to create a world that allows you to make a difference and to feel empowered and passionate. So all the programs, I've got several uh, longer programs. There is one that's called the seven steps and that's showing um, the research that I've done over alchemy, uh, the Veda system in India, Mary Magdalene's steps, Buddhism, um, a little bit of the Peruvian, I, I love research. <laughs> so I've seen how things fit together in this wonderful way. Uh, so the seven steps shows the overlap in all these awesome traditions, these ancient traditions to wake up, to get to a place where you are now so in touch with your spiritual mastery that you can now teach others. Uh, the path of the spiritual warrior is that, again, that, that breaking down to rebuild. 
not just on an individual level, but a community level so that you have that camaraderie and that group to work with. And a big holdup for me when I was starting all of this was the payment stuff. I did not feel comfortable charging veterans and first responders. So I had partnered with a um, nonprofit group and they collect donations for Ascended Warrior programs and veterans are, and first responders are able to apply for scholarships so that they don't have to pay to enter these programs. So it's been a really good relationship that we've created having people be able to sponsor warriors to heal, to get in touch with who they are, to deal with that transition out of service and to release just epic layers of trauma that most people can't understand. And all these programs are created for us. They're created for people who might not feel drawn to other elements of spirituality or healing or therapy. We understand each other. We understand each other's language. So having that immediate bond helps us to move past um, some of our typical hangups about the woo-woo, about being vulnerable, because I do understand, and I have been there, and I've used these techniques on myself. Yeah. Bringing all that forward in a scholarship version has been an absolute dream. And to apply for scholarships or to donate or to just see what programs are out there, I've got my website, which is www.ascended-warrior.com. Uh, they can contact me there, just join the news group, uh, get updates. I'm on all of the social media under Ascended Warrior. <laughs> I am not a fan of social media, but I'm trying so hard to be good with it. <laughs> I, and I just do podcasts all the time, little meditations, mindfulness tricks, um, sometimes just me jumping on a soapbox about one thing or the other. Uh, I can be reached just about anywhere. Awesome. Well, fantastic. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, include those links on the podcast notes, of course, so you can easily click on that. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being on the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet, get off your butt and do it. Subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you love to listen to your podcast. We are on pretty much every platform. So go ahead and click on the subscribe or follow link. And if you'd like to, go ahead and leave us a review.